Hello, Christ Church. I'm uh, Pastor Bob, lead pastor here at Christ Church. It is great to be able to worship with you today uh, as we uh, continue in our series, uh, Making Change. And uh, we're looking each week uh, at some key phrases that help us just make some changes in our life, uh, help us move into more godly directions in our life, uh, especially in the light of crisis. And so we've been kind of looking each week at uh, kind of this key little phrase. And last week, you remember, less is more, right? Less of us, more of Christ in our lives. And so today, we're going to look at another one called stress is bad, right? And I suspect uh, for all of you uh, that you can pause for a little uh, quick second and remember a time in your life uh, when you were just feeling some immense pressure and some immense stress uh, in your life, and it just weighed you down and overwhelmed you uh, and just continued to bring that pressure uh, into your life, right? To the point, maybe, of developing kind of a sense of crisis uh, in your life. And uh, these phrases help us to just kind of see this reality. Yeah, less is more. Yeah, stress is bad because it creates this pressure and this sense of, of over, being overwhelmed and being uh, helpless in our situation. It creates crisis. And what we're acknowledging is that there's kind of a biblical truth here that in these times of immense crisis, the crisis creates the opportunity for us to step into godly change, that the crisis itself uh, helps clear away stuff, helps us see and understand and hear the voice of God and get the direction of God more clearly so we can step into that change, whether that's change in our own lives or whether, as we talk today, that's change uh, in the world. What we do know is that stress is real, right? Uh, stress is real, and it is part of a broken world, right? And we see the brokenness of our world uh, all over in these days. We, we see the hatred. We see the violence. We see the prejudice. We see over and over again uh, the brokenness of this world uh, showing itself and creating the stress. And, th and that's not new to our world. Remember, our world has been broken since Adam and Eve took that apple and started to make life all about themselves. Our world is a selfish world, and it shows its brokenness, and it creates that kind of sense of stress and being overwhelmed. We can go back into the Old Testament, into the lives of, of uh, followers that we look at and say, wow, what amazing lives they lived. And yet, in their lives were incredible times of stress and feeling overwhelmed and even hopeless. One of those places is to go into the life of King David and uh, look at Psalm 3. Now, King David uh, wrote Psalm 3 and he wrote Psalm 4, which we'll look at, during a time of great crisis, a great stress in his life. Uh, yes, he was King David, but his son Absalom had led a revolt. His son had gathered all of David's enemies together to the point that Absalom had forced David to flee the capital city of Jerusalem. He flees the city. He runs for his life with a small cadre of people. And as he goes to sleep, on that first night of being on the run and kind of in stress and fleeing for his life, 
David looks at the experience, and he looks at his life in that moment. He says, oh, Lord, I have so many enemies. So many are against me. So many. I mean, it is a truth. It is a reality of our broken world that there are so many opportunities for stress and hatred and violence and injustice. I mean, there's so many opportunities in our life for this broken world to just weigh us down. There are so many enemies. How do we respond in the midst of a world that is so broken and has such ability to overwhelm us and weigh us down? Because stress is real. In the midst of it, our first step is to reach out beyond ourselves to a real God and to others. This is what David does. He goes to sleep that night, overwhelmed in his stress. But the next morning, he wakes up and he writes Psalm 4. And look what he does in Psalm 4. In Psalm 4, he says, Answer me when I call to you, O God, who declares me innocent. Free me from my troubles. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. In the midst of his stress, in the midst of feeling overwhelmed and potentially hopeless, David reaches beyond himself. He reaches to a real God, and he implores God to get involved on his behalf. He understands that the solution to the situation doesn't necessarily rest simply with him. It rests with God invading and getting involved. And the same is true through. The solution, the ultimate solution, is when Jesus Christ invades into the situation, and into our broken world. Now, yes, of course, we do everything we can to make a broken world better. We do everything we can to make a broken system better. Of course we do. But the ultimate solution is for the invasion of Christ in the midst of it. Because a broken world is always broken. And the only answer is for Jesus to invade, to look beyond ourselves and reach for a real God and bring God into the situation. Psalm 121. Psalm 121 does the same thing. It's this great psalm of hope for us, and the psalmist is feeling overwhelmed by his life right now. And so he begins to look around and say, where should I look? And his answer is to look not to himself, but to look beyond himself, to raise his eyes up. And so the psalmist says, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He looks beyond himself, and he looks to a real God to get involved in the real stress, in the real situation that seems so overwhelming. And that's why Paul can encourage us. And Paul, remember, is, is somebody who was well acquainted with stress and with injustice, with violence. He was well acquainted with all of those things, the brokenness of this world. And Paul says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about how much? Pray about 
everything. Get God involved in everything and do what? Tell God what you need. Implore God to get actively involved in that situation that is creating the stress that seems to so overwhelm you. I mean, isn't it true? When we get in these situations of stress, we tend to focus on the stress. And when we focus on the stress and we keep focusing on the source of the stress, the stress gets even bigger, bigger, and it becomes even more overwhelming. Paul says, tell God what you need. Get God involved in the situation. Look to God for the solution and the answer and thank him for what he has done. Thank him. Why thank him? What is that all about? When we thank him for what he's already done, we will remind ourselves what he's capable of. That our God is absolutely competent and capable, capable to enter into these real situations of our own brokenness. And so we reach beyond ourselves and we reach to a real God. And I would add to that that as we do that, we reach to others, that we need to reach out to other Christ followers in this situation. You see, as I share my words with you this morning, I know my words are going to fall short. I just can't do enough. But I know that when we get together as Christ followers, when we share our sorrows, when we share our struggles, when we discern together the desire and the will and the word of the Lord, it begins to change us. That's why, as we've talked about coming back and reopening our campus here, the first place we started was to bring our people together in small groups so we could talk together about what we're going through. We could talk together about the crisis that we're dealing with and then get together in worship. You see, we need to reach for a real God, and we need to get a real God involved in the situation, but we also need to reach out to others and get support and strength and guidance from the body of Christ. When you have real stress, when we seem so overwhelmed, we need to reach out to a real God and to his people. And as we do that, God will call us to reorient our focus and to find refreshment as we do that. Think about what you heard earlier. Jesus talking to his followers who are burdened and laden down with heavy burdens. He says, all of you that who are weary and you're carrying some heavy burdens, what does he say do? Come to me. Refocus, reorient your focus. Instead of focusing again and again and again on the source of the stress, instead of focusing again and again and again on how overwhelming it is, instead, focus on him. Invite him into the situation and turn your focus into him. That's why he says, take my yoke. Don't yoke yourself with the stress. Don't yoke yourself with the crisis. Instead, yoke yourself with Christ. Let him take over not only the burden, but the direction as you deal with the stress, as you deal with the crisis. That's why he says, let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you'll find rest for your souls. Let me teach you that as we deal with the stress, as we deal with the crisis, we do it through the eyes and the wisdom of Christ, that we yoke ourselves with him 
and we let him give direction to how we deal with that sense of being overwhelmed. We take on his yoke, and it says that his yoke is easy to bear. His burden is light. When those two oxen work together, they're yoked together, right? And, and they work together because they pull in the same direction, right? They carry the burden together, right? They move in that same direction. And that's what he's inviting us to do. In the midst of that being overwhelmed, in the midst of the stress, in the midst of the crisis, to embrace a change that says, I'm going to step into this according to Christ's, according to his wisdom, according to his teaching, according to his will. And ultimately, we get that simple, straightforward, incredible invitation in the midst of it all from the psalmist that says, give your burdens to the Lord, and he will not he might, he could, he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and to fall. Ultimately, we trust in an incredible God. We reach out to a real God, and we reach out to others. And we reorient our focus away from the crisis and instead into Christ-likeness. And as we do that, it takes on a whole new and different perspective. And in the midst of all of that, we have the opportunity to simply remember not only that God is capable, but we get to remember that we are loved. And this is so vitally important to us right now, that we remember, regardless of what goes on in the broken world, we are loved. Look again at what Jesus said. Jesus says, what is the price of five sparrows? Two copper coins? Not much. The world would not value them very much. And in the midst of all those messages from the world that doesn't value you very much, when the world is trying to say, you're just not that important or valuable, God says just the opposite. Jesus says, Yet God doesn't forget a single one of them. Even though the world would say they're not very valuable at all, God says, are you kidding me? They are incredibly important to me. I won't forget any one of them. And then he turns to us and says, look, even the, head on your, the hairs on your head, they're all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. When the world is saying you're not valuable, when the world is trying to devalue you, remember, God values you incredibly. He loves you incredibly. Proof? Proof of that rests in this verse that we all love, that we, that we recite all the time, that we hold on to. And, and why is it such one of our favorites? Because of that, it reminds us how valuable and how loved we are. John 3.16, right? It reminds us that we're, we're made in his image because John 3.16 says, This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Because we are in the image of God. 
because he has dreams for us, purposes for us, because he is who he is. He created, formed, and fashioned us so that we could live him out in the world. He loves us incredibly to the point that he would give what? His one and only, one and only, most valuable son. And that's how much he values you. That's how much he loves you, regardless of what the world says. And so verse 17 says, God sent his son into the world not to judge, divide the world, but to save the world through him. You see, we invite a real God to get involved in the reality of our stress and our brokenness and our crisis. And we reorient and refocus and we yoke ourselves with Jesus and we approach it through his eyes and with his perspective. And in the midst of it, we remember how incredibly valuable and loved we are. You see, it is obvious to us today that our world right now, our country right now is in stress and it is in crisis. And we just need to know as Christ followers, we need to know and understand that God grieves when we devalue each other. God grieves when we devalue other people based on the color of their skin or the color of the uniform they wear. God grieves when we look through our broken, human, sinful eyes instead of looking and reorienting to the eyes and the desire and the heart of Christ. That's why James describes it as a royal law, right? James says, yes, indeed, it's good when you obey the royal law. What's the royal law? The royal law is found in the scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. See, Christ followers, you and I, we are called to live by a different command, by a different expectation. We are supposed to be different than the rest of the world. And so James says, listen, this is your law. This is what you live by. This is how you're different than the world. When the world is devaluing, you value, and you serve, and you love without distinction. He says, but if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. For us, for Christ followers, the solution is in Christ. And we bring Christ to the world as we look through his eyes, as we behave according to his will, his desire, his purposes, as we follow in his footsteps where he gave up absolutely everything for each one of us because we are so incredibly valuable to him. And we become the hope in the midst of the conflict and in the midst of the crisis. We are different. Christ's church is different. Here, everybody is welcome. Here, everybody is loved. Here, everybody is forgiven. Here, everybody is embraced and served in their need. Here, 
we stand different in the world because we are committed to a royal law of grace, forgiveness, and love. Peter, the apostle, he embraced the same thing as James. Peter said, I see very clearly that God does what? God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who do what? Fear him and do what is right. That's what we do. We fear him. We love him. We obey him. We act in the world according to his will and his desire, and we embrace the change that the gospel demands. We do what is right, godly right, righteousness right. It is clear that injustice and hatred will not be ended by injustice and hatred. The answer? Christ alone. Now, of course, we do everything we can to improve our broken world. Of course, we do everything we can to overcome and improve broken systems and institutions. Of course we do. But we know that the ultimate answer rests in Christ and bringing him to a broken world. He is the only one that can change hearts and lives and attitudes. The Apostle Paul. Here's a guy who knew how to be violent. Here's a guy who knew how to hate until Christ invaded his life and changed him and changed the way he saw each other people in the world. Paul says, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. Christ makes us different. He changes our attitude. He changes how we look at the world. He changes how we value others. He changes us and brings us to the royal law. When we're in stress, when we're in crisis, when we're in the situation we're in in our world, we need to reach to a real God. And we need this real God to invade, and we need this real God to bring others around us to encourage us and strengthen us through this time. And in this real crisis, we need to focus, reorient ourselves on yoking ourselves with Christ to go and do as Christ would be and do. And we need to remember that no matter what, we are incredibly loved. We are loved to the point that Jesus would give his own life for us. And that the answer, the answer is through Christ as he changes hearts, as he changes lives, and as he calls us as individuals, and he calls us as a church to be different than the brokenness of this world because we have given up that old life and we have stepped into change of a new life in Christ. This is what Paul talks about. This is this means that everyone who belongs to Christ has become, what, a new person. The old life is where? It's gone. 
and a new life has begun. And when we step into the new life, we become the hope of the world. We become the ones who change the world. And we become the ones who change the lives and situations of others. This is our message. And this is the good news. This is the message of the good news for the people of Israel and the people of this world and this country. That there is peace with God through Jesus Christ who is Lord of all. In the midst of the crisis, in those times when you feel incredibly stressed and overwhelmed, in the midst of what we're going through now, we reach out for a real God and we look to Him to get involved and we surround ourselves with other Christ followers to support us, strengthen us, and to work our way through this. And as we do that, we refocus and yoke ourselves with Christ. We behave the way He would choose us to behave. We look at it through His eyes and His teaching and His perspective. And we remember not only is our God capable and competent, but we remember our God loves us to the point of giving up His one and His only. And that the solution, the ultimate solution, while we work to make things better in this world, the real solution, is as we bring Jesus into the lives of others. And it's when he truly becomes Lord of all that the kingdom of God will be real. It will change this world. Let's pray. Father, we come to you uh, humbly today, uh, broken uh, as we are. And we know a broken world does broken things, and it's obvious to us. And yet we plead with you today to invade once again, uh, to be real in this situation, in the lives of those who are hurting and struggling, to help us remember that royal law, to truly love others and value others, to lift others up, to see them, Jesus, as you see them. And instead to work together, yes, to make things better, but even more, to bring Christ into people's lives so they too can understand how much they're loved, how much they're valued. Help us, Lord, in the midst of things we can't always understand, that you are truly the answer. Help us to abandon ourselves to your love, to your grace, to your forgiveness, and to the truth of your word and your power in our life. We commend ourselves to you now. In Jesus' name, amen.